What's up, everyone, and welcome to Project X Talk and Xbox Podcast, episode number 73. I'm your host, Kevin, aka the Muffin Mon, and today I'm joined by the human alpaca himself, Tom. How are you doing? Doing pretty good, you know. Oh, man, I'm here. Like mentally, I'm not here. Mentally, I'm still in Elden Ring, just as an mm-hmm, FYI. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, I yeah. made it. Yeah, I, I appreciate you showing up for the, the regularly scheduled podcast that we do every week. Uh, I, I appreciate when my panel actually takes the time to do their commitments. But we also have Mr. Physical Copy, uh, quote, Lord of Actually Owning Video Games. You said it. Ethan. Yeah, yeah I, special <laughs> occasion, all right. How are you Thank doing, you. I'm doing fantastic. I have a piercing headache from Elden Ring. Oh my, <laughs> my hands hurt. I'm playing too much of it, but uh, I'm here. I'm ready to talk about some video games. All right. Well, if you're watching on YouTube, you would have seen him already. But for our audio listeners, we have a special guest. He is the producer of most of the content over at You, Me, and Capri. He's the co-host of the Xbox Drive, the PlayStation Drive, and the RPG Cave. Fellow lover of JRPGs, please welcome Ryan Turford to the show. Ryan, how are you doing, buddy? Hello! Thank you so much for having me on the show today. I'm, I'm so happy to be here. Again, I, I don't really get to be on a lot of other podcasts that often, just because I have kind of a crazy work schedule, which yeah. you know, we're not going to talk about here. Um, but I, I want to say thank you guys for having me on the show. I think this is going to be a ton of fun, and I'm ready to talk uh, Xbox or whatever else we talk about. Maybe Elden Ring? Who knows? <laughs> oh, Who knows? Pro- probably some Elden Ring. Probably. Up, I imagine. <laughs> uh, but as we do with all guests, Ryan, I got to ask you some Xbox related questions being an Xbox podcast. So what was your first Xbox and what is your favorite Xbox franchise? So my very first Xbox is I, I played the Xbox originally at a friend's house in 2001 when he got it on launch day for, with wow. Halo 1, we played a bunch of multiplayer. We basically did that for weeks and weeks and weeks where we actually had like um, system link parties where we had four TVs, four Xboxes, and four copies of Halo. <laughs> awesome. So we could play 16-player multiplayer on like four CRT TVs in his basement. Jesus. Um, but I actually had moved to a way to go to college basically um, the next year, and I just didn't have enough money for games. So in 2003 is when I got my very first Xbox. Um, okay. I basically bought the Halo and Amped bundle. And then I actually bought it because, you know, Knights of the Old Republic was out that week. So um, I was there kind of for Knights of the Old Republic. And then obviously I, I never played the Halo campaign. So I jumped into that. And, and that's kind of how I got started in an Xbox land. Um, as far as Xbox franchise goes, if mm-hmm. I had to pick a first party franchise specifically, that's a tough one. It's probably it's probably Fable. Um, Ooh, nice. Because like I could say Halo that or Gears. Those are the mm-hmm. easy answers. Mm-hmm. Not many people probably come on the show and say Fable, even though we haven't had like a new Fable in years and years and years. And I mean, the last entry we really had in the series was Fable Journey, which was something. Um, but uh, I, I, I like that series a lot. But I like role playing games, as Kevin kind of alluded to. Um, so it makes sense for me. Whereas like xbox exclusive games that are not first party stuff like nate's the old republic series comes to mind where that's like a, a favorite series yep. for me mm-hmm. um even even the old republic mmo kind of fits into there too which is also really good but yeah that those are those are the, my answers to your very fancy questions good sir fable's a great choice that's not oh, one yeah. we hear often and i love fable i'm a i'm a fable one obviously is my is my favorite uh of the fable trilogy but 
I don't really like two that much, if I'm being honest. Uh, really? Three, three, yeah, I know. That's a hot take. I know. I, I, yeah. I, had this, <laughs> I had this discussion when I was on Iron Lords. All right. Attic, Attic agrees with me. Oh, they must have uh, flamed you on Iron Lords for yeah, saying yeah. that. <laughs> King loves two because you can uh, have a bunch of babies with all the women as he, as he, <laughs> went I mean, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a, that's a great choice, Ryan. Um, but guys, a little housekeeping before we get into the show. Remember, if you like the podcast, we're live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern time right here on YouTube. If you can't catch us live, we post every Friday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern time on all your podcast services. While you're over there, we would love if you could drop us a review and a rating, whether that's on Apple, Spotify, or really don't care. They all help us grow. And if you leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, we'll read it live on the show. If you want to interact with us more, please join our Discord. The link is in the description. Come and chat some games with us and see all the ridiculousness we talk about. Um, and if you want early access to all our content besides the live podcast, head over to patreon.com slash projectxtalk. And for $1 a month, you can get all our content early plus the Patreon shout out. So shout out to Bucky Blue and Hopple for supporting us. We appreciate you. Guys, now that we got the housekeeping out of the way, we go around the room here and start every podcast the same way by asking one simple question. And that question is, what's your plan? So, Ryan, as the guest, I want to know, what's your plan? Oh, man. It's been, it's been a busy week of gaming for me, let me tell you what. I will say, most of it not on Xbox. So we'll start with the, the one thing I did play on Xbox, which, believe it or not, it's the same thing that, you know, Tom and Ethan are probably going to talk about, too, which is Elden Ring. Um, I did play the, it, it this week. In fact... I put 30 hours into Elden Ring in four days. Nice. And then I never played the game again. So <laughs> there we go. So there, there's a reason for this. Okay. I'm not just mm -hmm. shouting blasphemy here. So Elden Ring, my, my journey is, you know, it's one of those things where I'm just not super into the Souls games. Um, but every time a new one comes up, I always try it out because I love kind of the worlds that From Software puts together. Um, and I like the idea of, you know, the souls like games but it's just a matter of the combat in, in particular in something like dark souls is a little on the slower side versus a lot of other action games that i like like i'm more into mm -hmm. fast action games like ninja gaiden or devil may cry or bayonetta um versus something like like a dark souls where it is more about you know dodging and parrying and, and shield blocking and it's more about you know managing your stamina mm -hmm. more than anything um but the reason I, I wanted to jump into Elden Ring and why I was actually excited about it was I was actually watching some live streams about it um, before the game came out. And then I saw kind of how the way the open world kind of changed the way combat worked. And it kind of reminded me a lot of, you know, watching live streams or video of something like Metal Gear Solid V, The Phantom Pain, where essentially taking the Metal Gear stealth formula and inserting it into an open world completely changed the way that game played. So I was really excited for Elden Ring after kind of seeing how the open world kind of changed the pace of the combat. Um, and I was not disappointed by the game. I was really enjoying it for, again, the, the 30 hours that I played. Mm -hmm. But I noticed around the 20 hour mark or so, I really kind of like my, my excitement for the game and my desire to keep playing kind of, you know, dipped a little bit. And a lot of that just has to do with the way the open world is kind of designed. I'm not someone who loves open worlds that are not um that are not focused or at least something that's not like heavily story focused in a lot of ways mm -hmm. where i felt like around the 20 hour mark i was starting losing the the kind of pull to keep going with it because I, i'm not someone who likes to explore for exploratory sake so while i was enjoying the game a whole lot 
Um, I ended up putting it down and at least taking a break from it for now. I don't know if I'll come back to it later because again, there's you know a bajillion play games to play right now. Um, but I really, but even if I never go back to it, I think it's still worth the price of admission for me. You know, not being a Souls fan and not liking, you know, not being typically the type of person who's drawn into this game and just having a blast, you know, killing bosses and going around this giant open environment for the time that I had. Um, but because mm -hmm. again, 30 hours, getting 30 hours of enjoyment out of a game, I think is, you know, well worth it for, for a price game. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. so even though if I, even though I'm not going to completely, you know, 70 to 80 hour journey that this game is probably going to have you go on, um, I still think I, I got my money's worth out of this game. And if I go back to it, I go back to it. And if I don't, I don't. I don't worry about it too much. Yeah, like games like that are definitely more of a slow burn. They're not necessarily games you go down and powerhouse through a week and, and beat it. You know, it, it's those games that you come back to every once in a while just to try it out again. So definitely a great way to play it is to take a break. So I, I definitely would agree with you on that, that that's the way to play it. Yeah, and I, I only played it in that chunk, to be honest, not because I felt compelled to or because right. we were doing a review or anything. It was just I was having so much fun with the game that I was like, mm -hmm. oh, look what time it is. It's, it's been 10 hours and I've been playing this yeah. game and I haven't done anything <laughs> else. So it's, it was more of that type of scenario versus me feeling like I had to play it or anything like mm -hmm. that. So, um, and that's just the way I just naturally consume games that I'm really into. Um, whereas a lot of the other games I've been playing this week, um, we, we actually got a copy um of grand tours more seven from our friends at playstation canada so a huge Ooh. thank you to them for sending that over um and i've been playing that a bunch i played about 15 hours of, of grand wow. Turismo seven and and really enjoyed my time with that game too i think it's a really great racing game and mm -hmm. very different from you know something like forza horizon because it's a very linear like single player campaign based yeah. uh yeah. car game uh, and i just had a lot of fun with that too um and then kevin uh, knows from probably listening to some of our shows that I'm also obsessed with Final Fantasy 14, so mm -hmm. I could dip into that this week as oh, well. Yeah. And then uh, I also uh, replayed Catherine Full Body this week too. So oh, interesting! It's been a busy one. week of games. So that's kind of what I'm playing. Um, Tom, you're the you're kind of the racing guy on our podcast. Is Gran Turismo a series for you? I know you like Forza. Yeah, Gran Turismo has always been like the top tier racing simulator, like hands down. Um, even Forza Motorsport, it does a lot of things good, but it never quite nails it the way that Gran Turismo does. They just had so many years of polish. This game's like been a franchise. It's been like since the PS1, constantly reiterated on. Um, it's just perfected. There's a reason that there's not a Gran Turismo game like every couple of years. It's like every five, six years. Uh, it's a masterclass studio. Uh polyphony digital like once i get a ps5 like that's definitely going to be one of the games i pick up uh but you know forza does keep me content so i'm not too i'm not too in a big of a hurry to go just just yet mm -hmm. yeah, yeah well forza got that new uh new update too so i are you, you jumping back into that no i'm probably just gonna wait for motorsport to be honest oh okay all right all right uh ryan that's a that's a good slate of games you got there uh anything else you're playing before I uh, before I flip it over to someone else. No, nope, that was it. I mean, I, I felt like, you know, 
maybe putting about, you know, 70 to 80 hours in all the games I, I threw in there was probably a pretty solid week of gaming <laughs> for me. So, uh, yeah, I, I think I played enough stuff this week. Although, again, I'm the type of person that like, likes to throw in a bunch of retro games or, mm-hmm. you know, old RPGs and stuff like that. Because we also have to play, I play a lot of stuff for the RPG Cave, yeah. the RPG show. Um, especially like I recently went through the Valkyrie profile series as well as some other stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, we do play some other stuff for that show, but this week it was all just new releases, pretty much just Grand Turismo and Elden Ring. If I'm, if I'm being honest, sweet, but. not a bad way to spend your week. Uh, and I think Ethan, I'm gonna throw it to you. I think you've been spending your week pretty similarly considering every yeah. time I get on discord, it says <laughs> Elden Ring under your name. Yeah, uh, Elden Ring has dominated my week, although it is slowly losing its grip, not because I'm not liking the game, but more so because I I physically have to take a break from these games because I I think I put in about 40 hours in the first three days it was out. Um, It was absolutely disgusting how much I played this video game, Uh, but I'm still really enthralled by the exploration of this game. Uh, every time I think I found everything, I find new nooks and crannies of this map to explore and discover. Um, I love reading into the lore of the game. I just get so immersed in it. Uh, but yeah, the only reason I'm, I'm really stopping it is because I'm getting headaches. My hands start hurting because I'm playing just too much. Um, mm-hmm. So I, t- I took a break today. I haven't played any Elden Ring today. Uh, I'll probably hop on after this podcast just for a few hours. Um, and yesterday was pretty light as well. Uh, but finally today, I did play a new game that wasn't Elden Ring. And I okay. and uh, Nintendo came out about seven or eight hours ago and said they released a demo for the new Kirby game, yes. uh, The Forgotten World. Um, really interesting. Not what I was expecting in terms of gameplay. I was, the way that it was presented to me, I always thought that it was going to be more of an open world Kirby experience. Uh, no, it is a linear experience. It is a traditional 3D platformer. Uh, you have collectibles, you have stages, you have objectives in that area. There's little secret areas you can find, but it is a traditional 3D platformer through and through. That's why, Kev, I said in Discord that you would enjoy uh, what mm-hmm. I had to say about it. Uh, but super fun. Um, I forget what the name is for the special powers where you eat the cars now and you can drive no, no, mode. Mouthful yeah. mode or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, really fun, actually. Uh, in the demo, you get to do the car, the vending machine, and the traffic cone. Each of them have their own mechanics. Each of them have a reason for being there, um, and, it, and it integrates really well into the gameplay. Uh, so super, super fun. Um, the first three stages were very quick. I think I went through them in 25 minutes. I'm not sure if it was cut down because of the demo or if that's the actual stage length. Mm. Um, but the game is very quick, very easy so far. Uh, but it's just a really fun adventure. There's a lot of little secrets you can find on the map, a lot of collectibles to go out and search for. And then every single stage has their own challenges that you can try and complete. Uh, so definitely right up the alley of anybody that really likes 3D platformers. I'm having an absolute blast. I'm excited to actually get my hands on the copy. Um, I, I have a question. And then uh, Tom, yep. looks like you have something to ask too. But is there a hub world or is it like a map where you choose the levels? Like how do you get into the actual level? So for the demo, it's just a menu. Um, okay. But it did introduce me to that little town building section, but yep. I didn't get to go back to it because the, the demo just didn't have it. Um, but I, so I, I don't know definitively whether it's just going to mm-hmm. be menu based or it's going to be a hub world, like you said. 
Um, but it did introduce me to that town building element and the more, um, what's the name Waddle of the, these Waddle D's, the more Waddle D's you find, the more you can build up this town and stuff like that. It kind of gave you a rundown of what that mechanic was going to be like in the full release. Um, but yeah, uh, so far, super great game, a lot of fun, really cute. Just, it's a, it's a great addition to the, to the Kirby, um, timeline. So I'm, I'm having a blast with it. Tom, you wanted to ask a question too? Should I drop it for my fantasy critic or keep it? Keep Ooh. it. That's what I want to know. Well, hold on now. <laughs> That's some I, insider trading going I, on. Okay, so I, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a professional reviewer, so I can't say anything. But for me, as a player who enjoys 3D platformers, this has everything I want in a 3D platformer. So I think the reviewers who are going to be specialized in 3D platformers for the big, you know, reviewing companies like IGN and GameSpot, they're going to like this game, I think. So I think you should keep it. It's going to be a solid 85, 86, maybe, in my opinion. Ooh, that's what I like to hear. Yeah. Bouncing off what Ethan said as well. I forgot to mention, I also played it this morning as well. Nice. Yeah. And uh, I really enjoyed it as well. And going back to what you're talking about with the Hubtown, mm -hmm. um, there were a bunch of previews that went up for the game this morning. And they did confirm essentially you're basically going back and forth between the hub town and and the mm, levels essentially awesome. and that's kind yeah. of where you how you get into the levels themselves so okay. um it all ties together but it's not again an open world um yeah. as Ethan kind of alluded to but i also agree with ethan i think this game's awesome and yeah it's your it's your wise to keep it in your your uh fantasy drafts in fact um yeah. we did a fantasy draft between the xbox drive versus the PlayStation uh, nice. versus the trophy room. Mm -hmm. And in that fantasy critic league, they locked us into Kirby in the forgotten land thinking oh. that, it, Oh, it's probably like a six or a seven, but oh, yeah. Yeah. Jokes so, on them. Yeah, yeah. So we've listen, we've had Joe on twice. We've had Kyle on. <laughs> All right, guys. I, I, I like you both. You're both fine people, but I'm rooting for the Xbox drive. Obviously as the Xbox <laughs> podcast, but Kyle, the amount of slander that you've given Kirby over the last few weeks is you probably won't listen to this, but is ridiculous. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm calling you out. You keep insulting Kirby and I'm not having it. Anymore. How dare you? <laughs> it, 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 it is. He, he called Kirby. Oh my God. He's, he calls him stupid, calls him a, a six out of 10 incoming little yeah. Kirby. <laughs> Come <And> on. <laughs> maybe he's, maybe he's just doing it to try to force uh, a low review score, but uh, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good about it. Yeah. Only a few weeks. Uh, Tom, what you've been playing. Uh, besides the obvious one, I've also been playing uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! Master Duel. As you guys know, like, I don't know if you guys see me going on there on. so much and I'm yeah. like, I've put so much hours into it. Uh, I already have five days worth of gameplay. It's oh crazy goodness. since launch. Yeah, it's just something I grew up loving that as a kid, as a kid, and just like now being able to play it uh, online and still feel like it's like just like the core game. I'm loving the hell out of that game. I just it's not for everyone, so I'm not gonna go into the intricacies about it. It was just fun card game, fun card game. Uh, besides that, Elden Ring. And holy crap, this one I want to say this was one game that I was not going to pick up as you guys seen in the Discord prior. I was like, no, nah, I'm not going to get Elden Ring, I'm mm -hmm. just going to trash on it. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, right when I saw all those reviews, I was like, hmm, I, don't, I guess I do have to pick it up. So I got it day one, and I've been playing it non stop ever since. I probably already have 30 hours, uh, and I don't feel the need to stop just like uh, Ethan does. It's this game to me, it's a masterclass of what From Software can do. I've always loved the Souls Lice games, and 
it's interesting to me. Like I, I'm jumping into it and day one, for example, you know, Garrett's been playing it for a while, our other panel member, and he's done things like I've done things that he has not even completed yet. And I'm like, dude, you've been playing way more hours than me. But then I just Garrett's realized, oh, it slow, yeah, <laughs> it's not he's taking it slow. It's not even just that. He just couldn't do it. And I was just like, I guess it's just like yeah, an experience gap. Up. Yeah, no, yeah, he's <laughs> it's it's just an actual experience gap. Like I've played multiple Souls games. This was his actually very first Souls game. So I wish he mm -hmm. was here to talk about his first Souls like experience as well. But man, mm -hmm. to me, this game is like a good mixture of like what Souls games offer with like the exploration factor of like what a what a Skyrim would do. And I would put this game on such a high pedestal now and I don't think it's ever going to come off. This game is easily right now, like number one RPG game I've played in the last five years. Without yeah, a doubt. There's a reason why it's the second most highest reviewed game of all time. Um, it, it's, it's a once in a generation type of game. It's very special. It, it feels special while playing it. So I definitely echo the comments of Tom for sure. Okay. Uh, so you guys keep, begging me to buy it well ethan does especially and, and come play with you but come on. Just, just, okay you know what kind of games i, I know. like you wouldn't you wouldn't like yeah, say, <laughs> in your opinion would i like elden ring no you yes wouldn't. <laughs> no he wouldn't there so the 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 thing i think you wouldn't like is that the story is so non-linear Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it is linear, but it's like it's one of those games. It's kind of like Elder Scrolls Three Morrowind, where it's just kind of figure it out, just you know, explore. It's very detached from everything. You really got to look for stuff, and it's just there's no direction in the yeah, game. There's no quest book. You just oh, gotta man. take my mental note. Like, okay, maybe I'm gonna come back here in ten hours yeah. and see what. Oh, this, this does. guy. <laughs> this guy told me 15 hours ago to go to this one location. I hope I remember that. <laughs> the deal, you know. I I think like what Ryan said it where it's like he doesn't like to just explore to explore, and I mm -hmm. think that's one of the reasons like I'm kind of worried about trying this game because that's one of the reasons I didn't play Breath of the Wild. Like I know I right. will not enjoy Breath of the Wild. Like I like older Zelda games. But going in and just hopping around and like exploring stuff, it, that's yeah. that's not for me. I like to be on a on a path and and go down that. Yeah, path. you wouldn't you wouldn't be down with Elden Ring then. I do recommend at some point in your life though, just giving it a shot because I mean it's a special game. You know I, what I mean? I'm sure better, in a couple of months it'll be pretty cheap. So yeah, eventually it'll be. If or it maybe comes it comes to game, game, yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh man, <laughs> that'd be cool. <laughs> if, it, if it comes to Game Pass, or if I win one of these uh, contests I've entered to get a free copy, you know, uh, Luke Lore, <laughs> if you can put a good word in for me. Um, but <laughs> maybe then I'll try it out. But uh, in terms of dropping sixty, that ain't that ain't Fair up enough. my alley. Yeah. Shout out Sean Capri in the chat. What's up? Happy to see you, buddy. Uh, and Gamers Anonymous podcast. What's up, everyone? Hope I didn't miss much. Nope, we're just going over what we've been playing. So if you guys oh, yeah. want to drop what you've been playing down in the chat, we'd love to see it. Um, and I'll round us out. And I've been playing a game that I know Ryan actually played because he did a review for it. And that's Monarch. And guys, I know you, you keep making fun of me because you see the 66 on Metacritic, all right? <laughs> but I love monarch i rolled credits on it on tuesday after 45 hours um and i i adore this game i think the story is really really good i love all the antagonists um they all have deep motivations for why they're doing what they're doing 
the combat is fun if you like the tactical style uh, RPGs. I do want to say that the environment gets a little repetitive and that act two, uh, you get kind of light spoilers. You get kind of stuck in a time loop and that gets a little repetitive because you have to do uh, an alteration of almost the same thing four different times before you're allowed to progress. That got a little uh, towards the end. I was like, all right, these last two are kind of dragging along, but the ending was great. Now I am on the road for the platinum trophy because I only need three more trophies. I have to deal 10,000 damage in one hit. Uh, I have to get everyone to level 99, which I have half of them to level 99. And then I have to beat all the bosses and the final boss again. And then I will have the platinum trophy. So that's going to get put on hold because we got games coming like triangle strategies dropping tomorrow. I'll go back to the platinum, but I, I love this game. I, I don't know. I don't, I think 66 is a very harsh review score on it. Um, You do have to grind. There's like, I've spent the last seven hours or not even uh, five hours of in game time grinding to get my characters to 99. (laughs) Um, But you don't have to get all of them to 99 before you beat the bosses again, because then the, you, you can get 999,999 spirit if you do the uh, end game boss and then max out your character. So there's a little, you know, light in yeah. the load. But yeah, I, uh, I I wish that game was getting a little more uh, positive press than what it is. But if, if Elden Ring hadn't come out, I probably would have played it too. I just love talking smack to you, but I'm glad you found a game you really enjoy. But yeah, I was interested in it too before it came out, but I was like, there's no way I'm going to fit time for a JRPG in this sort of environment <laughs> that we're in with games right now. But yeah. <laughs> uh, Sean Capri, wait, and a deer? Oh, I think he's talking about you, deer. Ethan. It's White me. Sea deer. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Hello. Yeah. No, we have a very, yeah, an, animal theme podcast going on, Sean. We got an alpaca, <laughs> we got a deer, and then uh, you call Ryan man on the moose. So, what, where, Where's Kevin's animal? What's going on here? Why is, uh, I, why is he animal-less? I'm, I'm a muffin mon, so they, I'm the thing animals would eat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, Secret of Mana does have muffin monsters in it, so I mean, that technically counts. I haven't played Secret of Mana. I've played uh, Trials of, of Mana, okay. and I like I liked that game a lot. If, that game's if, real good. If Secret comes to Xbox, I'll probably try it, but... <laughs> yeah, I mean, there is that really bad, you know, PlayStation 4 remake of Secret of Mana as well. But mm. uh, there's that as well. But I'm glad to hear that you you're enjoying Monarch. I know we talked about it in our review, and we mm-hmm. came away, you know, not super impressed with it. But I do yeah. think there's a lot of redeeming qualities to that game, and it is one that you know I, I hope pe- more people check out when the games gaming season kind of slows down a bit. It, yeah. it kind of reminds me of another game that came out the exact same day as uh, as Elden Ring, which was Atelier Sophie Two, um, which is also another RPG that's kind of out there as well. But that got mm. great reviews. But again, literally no one's talking about it. Because it came out the same day right. as Elden Ring. Um, and then, of course, Modern came out the same week. So it's just like, it, it, it's tougher for those games. So, so yeah, I hope pe- more people check it out. I know that the, the Metacritic is low, but I think if you actually go and read it, a lot of those reviews, a lot of it has to do with a couple things. Like this, the performance on Switch, for example, is mm. real bad. So yeah. I would advise not to play the Switch version. Um, but also just people getting stuck on those puzzles that I know you talked about on the show last week, Kevin, how I know you didn't have a lot of problems with them, but 
um, after talking to Matt about them, I know he had a he was really struggling with some of stuff. So I will I will say there are, were three puzzles total that I had to Google because I could not figure them out. And that last one is how to get to the final boss because it's the most obscure. Like, why would I ever look in the place they wanted me to look? And then you have to translate some symbols. And like I'm sitting here guessing, like maybe that's a three, maybe that's a like I'm in what world and. I don't know. There were, were there were three where I was like, okay, th this is what they were talking about with obscure puzzles, because uh, uh, these these ones were like, I don't know how I ever would have gotten these if I didn't Google it. But uh, Sean Capri, Kevin is half man, half muff, half mon. <laughs> oh my god! Wait, that's three halves. So you're one and a half of a person. <laughs> <laughs> what up, Vic the Click? Thank you for stopping by. We appreciate you. Sean says he's playing Horizon, and my opinion is dot 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 developing. Heard a lot of mm. mixed reviews about it. Mostly positive, but some mixed mostly reviews. positive. Uh, I'm not a Horizon guy, so uh, Sean, we can we can talk if you want to shoot me a DM of your opinion on Horizon. You might have someone <laughs> if you're not ex you're not, if you're not enjoying it, I'll be there for you. Okay, I won't ostracize you like most other people on the internet. <laughs> uh, but guys, other than Monarch. Uh, I very briefly tried Ghost Runner because um, it came to PS Plus. Very it's, good, yeah. It's so hard. It's very hard. <laughs> it's so hard. Did you not know that going into no, it? No, I thought I was difficult. I thought it was just gonna be like hopping around, slicing up baddies, no. and being like a cool ninja. No, I get like shot once and I die, and then I gotta restart the whole. I'm like. I'm not having fun right now. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to try like changing some of the like uh, assist mode settings and like maybe slowing up like because I do think it has a cool premise. Like it, the gameplay feels really smooth, but I don't like dying in two hits for especially because yeah. it's like bullets. And I'm just like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I got about halfway through that game way back in the day when it first came out. Um, it's definitely one of those games that you just play over and over and over again. And then you just get in that zone and you love that feeling when you go through an entire map section and you're just slicing up everybody jumping from wall to wall and you're just robotic with how you do things. You mm -hmm. know, the exact buttons to press for every single movement. Uh, it's definitely one of those games that is just replay, 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 replay until you figure it out. So it's, very difficult <laughs> it's very difficult i'll uh i'll give it a go when i'm in a better mindset for it i yeah. think you know after after maybe after maybe in april after we get through the the yeah. gaming onslaught that's that's a that's sweaty game you, you're gonna get sweaty playing that game <laughs> uh, well guys that's all i got so it's time for a segue so let's grab some seats while i grab some books and we'll tell you this week's stories so before we get into the actual stories i did want to do a quick follow-up uh, to a story we covered last week, and that was related to Stalker 2. So GSC World has confirmed development of the game is on hold as they're busy dealing with the fallout from Russia's invasion of the Ukraine. So as we said last week, probably best not to expect that this game comes out this year now that we have official confirmation that development is on hold. So just a little update there. Uh, not really much more to say about that one, but just be, if you're looking forward to Stalker 2, probably cross that one off. Um, and I know... I think Garrett has that for our fantasy draft, uh, and it now has that little drop that <laughs> has that little. It's not droppable yet. I don't believe. Oh, really? I, I, yeah, I think it, it's still like it's still considered credible reports say it might yeah. uh, not come out. So it's, it's not coming out. Obviously, they have bigger 
things to worry about getting their people out of there. So yeah, especially at this point too, because like the release date is December eighth. So yeah. it's like yeah, it's they, even happening. if they push it back by three weeks, it's not coming out this year. At this yeah. Point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know, uh, Tom. Fantasy, fantasy. If we want to do a little fantasy update, Tom, you are kind of stuck with your counter pick for um, what was it? Uh, why can't I think of the name of this game? Suicide Squad. Yeah, it's, oh, yeah. yeah you're stuck with that. Uh, Garrett, no, uh, Ethan, you've been cleaning house because you got Witch oh, Queen yeah. and um, Elden, Elden Ring. Ring. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm I'm hanging right. I'm hanging in there. I got Horizon GT Seven and triangle strategies dropping tomorrow so that's gonna be reviewed well getting some good yeah it's it's got an 81 right now so Mm -hmm. it's it's decent Uh, especially because you got babylon's fall which is gonna get like a 63 (laughs) Uh, i'm hoping for a 70 71 that was like the hail mary pick i was gonna say clearly we haven't played the the trial for babylon's fall yeah no i didn't i i read a lot of articles about it after the fact i was like whoops so uh, i'd be surprised if it ends up above a five or a fifty. wow (laughs) okay yeah so i i did hear you know worse than avengers uh, talk uh, going around so i'm I'm it's a square it's a square enix you know live Live service service. game it's gonna be awful we i don't know why i picked it it was a bad move on my part (laughs) it's uh keeping our fantasy league interesting but guys we'll get into actual story number one and that is could game pass come to steam in the future well according to gabe newell and valve they seem open to it speaking with pc gamer when asked if steam could enter the subscription service business valve president gabe newell said quote i don't think it's something that we think we need to do ourselves building a subscription service at this time. But for our customers, Xboxes, it's clearly a popular option, and we'd be more than happy to work with them to get that on Steam. The PC version of Game Pass currently is launched through the Xbox app and downloads a different version of the game than the one on Steam, often leading to there being differences between the two versions. Gabe added, quote, we've talked to the people there quite a bit about that topic. If your customers want it, then you should figure out how to make it happen. That's where we're at. So, uh, as as tradition dictates, I'm gonna throw it to Ryan first as our guest. But Game Pass coming to Steam possibly in the future. They seem open to it. Uh, it could be a good thing for PC gamers. What, what's your take on this? Yeah, I think that it's only a matter of time before they find a way to, to get Game Pass on Steam. I think it's the right move. Um, this is something actually Sean and I talked about on the Xbox Drive when they first announced the Steam Deck, um, where I think that. In a way, if they get Game Pass on there, I think it'll be the perfect Game Pass machine on the go. And and Microsoft wants Game Pass to be anywhere where any device is willing to take Game Pass. So if the Steam Deck can take Game Pass and they can make it work, they'll put it there. Um, but what you talked about with the, the, the different versions of the game is really interesting in how that plays into it because uh, we've had reports of, of a lot of games on PC Game Pass being different versions of the game that are on Steam. Uh, Near Autonoma is actually yep. a famous example of this where um, there's a bunch of fixes in the Game Pass version that, or, or the, the Windows Store version of that game that just makes it you know almost like leagues better than the Steam version. Um, and, and that's not the only game that's like that. So um, as, as they kind of alluded to, they would have to maybe go to some of those developers and work out a way to um, maybe integrate some of those, you know, Game Pass or Windows Store specific versions of the games into uh, whatever the Steam Deck's application for Game Pass is going to look like in the future. Um, but I, I definitely think this is more of a, um, it's it, it's not if, it's a when at this point. And I, I think they'll figure out a deal 
to, to make this work within the next year. It's just what, what I'm going to spitball at this point, but yeah, I think this is an awesome move and, and I hope it happens. I, I think it will. And we'll see. Yeah. Ethan, you want to jump in there? I see you. you, you oh you yeah. Just... Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, yeah, it, it's a win-win for both companies. Uh, like Gabe Newell said, he has no desires to do some sort of a subscription service at this point. They have a complete monopoly over the PC gaming market. Um, there's no point for them to go out and try anything crazy or innovative besides the Steam Deck. Obviously, that's that's different. But um, yeah, it, like like Ryan said, it, it's inevitable. Um, pretty much anything, any new service that goes to PCs, it, it's going to end up on Steam at some point. Um, so it, it it'll only promote Xbox Game Pass more because it'll be on the platform. Because there's probably a lot of PC players out there that have the blinders up to console gaming. They don't pay attention to that world. Um, and they're going to start seeing on their Steam homepage, hey, Xbox Game Pass has 100 plus games. You just need 15 bucks a month and you can get them all. Uh, so it's it's going to increase business for Xbox. It's going to bring more people into the Valve Steam fold. Gabe Newell obviously is going to love that. Uh, and yeah, it's just exciting because I'd love to have all my platforms integrated because I use Steam for PC gaming as well. Mm -hmm. um, and I want to have my Steam achievements and my Xbox achievements kind of integrated. That would be really fun. Um, so yeah, it's it's nothing but good things for the companies, good things for the consumer. So it's a great move. Yeah, I, I'm I'm inclined to agree. I'm gonna throw it to you in a second, Tom. And I do have another question uh, po to to ask the panel uh, regarding the potential for PC Game Pass. But like, in, in my opinion. I don't see why this wouldn't happen. Um, I don't see any barriers because I don't think Microsoft would, they're, they're not competing with Steam uh, in this. In, like they're not telling people, hey, come buy games off the Windows store. They're like they want PC Game Pass to be successful. They know Steam is the most successful launcher on PC. So you get that into that service. And like you said, then you see the ads. And we already know that Xbox games do very well on Steam. They sell... Uh, a lot of copies, Forza Horizon 5 did very well. Halo has done very well. People prefer to just use that launcher as opposed to, like you could have downloaded the Halo Infinite uh, multiplayer in the in the Windows store, but where did people go? They went to the Steam store because that's what they prefer using. So get that integrated, get that all set up. And then Ethan, I love the idea of integrating Steam achievements and Xbox achievements because yeah. the, the fact that I've played tons of Among Us on PC and then I download it on Xbox and I, my achievements just don't like pop, even though I've like linked my Steam account to the Xbox, right. like, it drives me nuts. Like I, I really just want that to have some sort of, uh, yeah. you know, we're going to talk to each other. Um, and I know they do that with the Xbox store on PC, but if they can get that uh, functionality on Steam, I would love that even more. And, and that's the future we want for game gaming is connectivity between platforms, between players. We want to bring us all together as a community. So I, I absolutely would love to see that. So hopefully that's part of the plan. I don't know yet if that's part of the plan, if they want to go that deep with integration or if they just want to offer it on the platform to download games. But we'll see. I'm hoping for the best. Yeah, my my thought process would be that it wouldn't it wouldn't start that way where it's integrated into Steam. Yeah. I think right. like long term plan definitely. I think that's kind of the the route that they're kind of going on at this point. Um, but at the very least, I think there will be an, a native app on the Steam Deck itself that you'll launch basically a Game Pass app on there rather than it going through the Steam Store essentially really? being tied into the Steam Store. Yeah. Um, and I think that that just has to has a lot to do with the Windows Store ecosystem being separate and them not being able to 
kind of merge those two together right away. Right. Uh, again, I think, you know, three or four years from now, I think we're going to face a reality where they will be kind of what you, what you talked about, Ethan, where they're kind of merged together. Mm -hmm. You've got Steam mm -hmm. achievements and Xbox achievements side by side. But I, I think we're... I think we're farther away th from that than we may we might be letting on here. Where right. again, I, I just think that it's that's not an overnight thing. And, and yeah, if these yeah. talks are just happening now, like that's going to take at least a couple of years to code all that stuff. So oh, yeah. um, I imagine that 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 type of future is really far away. Um, or even what they might do instead is that to get Game Pass on there as quickly as possible, they might not even launch native apps right away. They might just launch cloud streaming instead to mm. start with. Through the mm -hmm. through like again a native app right. that would then be built out with access to the direct download games as well, but hmm. uh, that's just how I see it going down. Interesting yeah. theory, certainly. Tom, I'm going to bring you into the the conversation. Uh, you, I know you play on PC probably way more than I do. Uh, what are your What are your feelings if Game Pass came to Steam? So obviously, it would be good if it came to Steam. Now, whether or not Microsoft would actually do it. That's a that's a different conversation. So honestly, if it came to Steam, we're going to be talking about different things that uh, Valve is going to want. They're going to want some sort of revenue share to bring it over to their platform. There's no way that they're just going to allow it to come on just like for free, willy-nilly. It's going to be here, whatever. So honestly, as far as that goes, there it's not needed on Steam itself, especially on the Windows platform. It's not like you're downloading a separate launcher to download these uh, Game Pass games. It's already integrated into your Windows 10 system. It's there like by default. You can you there's no difference regarding it. Now I will say the API that Windows games use is completely different than what Steam uses, and it is really noticeable. I really hate the way that Steam uh, uh, Game Pass games um, boot on PC specifically. They feel off. Uh, there's just something wrong about them. I don't know. It's like, it, it definitely has some integration issues. Like if you try to use it, for example, like uh, on OBS to show those games on like your PC platform from, uh, from OBS, it's not going to work half the time compared to how what on Steam. And I guess this is a weird issue with the API that they, uh, those Game Pass game use. Uh, but moving forward to like the Steam thing itself, like what actually matters. So, they don't need to bring it to Windows specifically, I guess, without some revenue share. However, in regards to like bringing it to Steam itself, like there's obviously the Mac platform, there's obviously the uh, the Steam the Steam Deck, which uses Steam OS, which is a Linux based platform. Those two platforms would make more sense if they like more narrowed it down. I can see that happening a lot faster compared to them bringing it directly to like the Windows versions of whatever Steam is. Um, again, because you, like you guys were saying, bringing it over to the Steam OS brings it to Steam Deck, and that just gives it a lot more like openness to like more platforms. But then there's also that comes the other issues. Like a lot of Steam games, or a lot of these uh, games that are developed on uh, for Xbox or Windows PC, they're not available on Steam OS. They're not available on Linux, I should say. So in terms of compat um, compatibility, that would also mean that they're going to have to go in there and make it a viable system. They're going to have to rework how Forza Horizon will work because that game's not available on Linux. Halo as well. So there's going to be a 
different factor there in terms of integration and without some sort of emulation, like uh, Linux uses like, uh, a lot of Linux users use like Wine, for example, to uh, boot the games up on uh, like Windows games and it still causes compatibility issues. So mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think it's that straight cut. Uh, obviously it's possible, but it takes a, it's going to take a lot of work, especially if, just in terms of compatibility. Um, I don't expect to see this anytime soon at all. Yeah, Tom, I'm really glad you brought up that point because I didn't even think of that about Linux integration because Linux gaming isn't really that supported in the, in the wider video game community. And, and I think it should be because uh, there's a lot of Linux users out there who, who want to play games on their systems. But uh, yeah, it's it, that's a good point. I'm glad you brought it up because I didn't even think of that. Yeah, and especially with that, that Linux approach, I think it definitely it would make more sense then to maybe develop like a cloud version of the Xbox right. Game Pass app yeah. mm-hmm. that yeah, works that would, on Linux that makes sense. And, and then doing it that way. That's why I think now that you said that too, I think I'm even more confident in saying that that's how they'll approach it first is do a cloud streaming ver- version first. And then, you know, if they can figure it out in a year or two, they'll, they'll bring the rest of the stuff to it. Right. But we'll see. Uh, I know nothing about Linux. Uh, you're, you're speaking gibberish to me right now. Or that I'm like, I don't. That's okay. There's something people use other than Windows. Like I don't. I, I I'm I'm all all, all cold over here. But uh, you know, the chat. Sean is uh, Sean is having a crazy time over here, talking about his daughter being the same size as the Steam Deck. I don't. What, what are you doing, buddy? What are you, what, I mean, what's going on? I mean, this is also the front coming from the same person who said the PS5 can't fit in his house, though. So, I mean, listen, house, yeah. mine, mine's over here and it, you know, I'm cramped in this little corner. So I, I kind of agree with him. Although said, I do Linux is DOS, right? No, DOS is actually a Microsoft program back in the day. Linux basically works the same way as DOS where you actually have to type in commands. But DOS was Microsoft run. So th- that's what you would have to play Elder Scrolls 2 Daggerfall on and stuff like that and type in code to start video games. I have an emulator on my PC. It's it's a lot of fun doing it, but. It's a it's a pain in the butt. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm older than you, Ethan, and I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm older, older than all of you, and I don't even know what you're talking about. I'm a nerd. What can you was do? It, I'm, wasn't I'm my music. jam. Uh, before we before we move on to the story number two, I want to you know we're talking about Steam, but there's another launcher on PC, the Epic Game Store, guys. Um, do we think Game Pass, if it comes to Steam, how long before it gets on the Epic Game Store, like integration in there? Because that's another you know, avenue to get games, whether you use it or not. I, I have a few games in Epic Game Store. They gave me a free game. I just got Chris Tales in there or whatever. I'm a, I'm, I'll probably play that at some point, a free RPG. But uh, personally for me, like in a, integrate it there too. That's, that's where I'm like, why not? Uh, so I'm going to say no. Right? Oh my God. Okay. No. So I'm going to tell you why. Steam, they, it has a huge audience compared to like what the Epic Store launcher has. The reason a lot of Steam users are hesitant from using other launchers to begin with. I don't think if I think at this point, if people use the Epic launcher as well, they're not as hesitant, so it doesn't really matter to put it there. I think those people are already willing to use the Game Pass app on the PC. Yeah, I I don't think they'll ever integrate to the to to the Epic Game Store or the. In fact, like Steam and the Epic Game Store and Game Pass will be three separate entities. And the yeah. closest closest we'll get to anything integrating will be maybe Game Pass into Steam. But what anyway. about Origin? 
And Do we know get, anything about Origin? No, no, no. Wait, that's the that's, <laughs> that's the EA one, that's right? The that's EA one. That's, that's part its of, own thing. Okay, that is the worst launcher in the history of launchers. <laughs> you, have, yeah. you have a better better chance of Battle.net merging into it versus, <laughs> versus Origin. Okay. Yeah. Listen, <laughs> I I said now that Xbox is gonna own Activision Blizzard, get rid of Battle.net. I, I hate Battle.net. I hate that launcher. Just they've like, already said they like Battle.net. They don't want to get rid of it. Oh no. I thought I thought maybe the Bethesda launcher going away was like a sign. That yeah, like, that's hey, what I was going to say. Yeah. Consolidate <laughs> these launchers, but okay, that's that's a bummer. Uh, guys, remember if you like the show, please drop us a sub. We're on the road to one thousand subscribers, and drop us a like. It, it it helps us. You know, we appreciate you guys hanging out. This is a great chat. Uh, lots of lively conversation going on. But we're gonna move on to story number two, and that's Game Pass update. So as we do twice a month here, we let you know what games are coming to Xbox Game Pass so you can plan your gaming accordingly. Available today, as, as the time of recording this, we have Far Changing Tides for cloud console PC. We have Microsoft Flight Simulator for cloud uh, that now you can run on the Xbox One. That's why I wouldn't have said anything, but that is a, a feature I know we talked about like months and months ago that they were going to start putting uh, next-gen games on the cloud to let old uh, old Xbox users use it. So, uh, and Lightning Returns, Final Fantasy 13 for console and PC. If you uh, if you happen to like that Final Fantasy 13, you can uh, you can go play that. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. I, I remember you saying you, you do like that one. Yeah. Um, Tom, do you like that one? Dude, the entire the, the entire 13 trilogy was awesome. I don't know yeah. anyone. I don't know why everyone complains about it. It was a fun game. If anything, they, I think they were just put off by the first one because it was so linear. But like, mm. it only got better. Like thirteen two and Lightning Returns are great. Yeah. So, well, March tenth, we get Kentucky Route Zero for cloud console PC. We get Lawn Mowing Simulator for Xbox One after being delayed last month. We get Young Souls for cloud console PC and Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy for cloud console PC. And then March 17th, uh, this wasn't a part of the announcement, but they did announce it after the fact. We get Shredders for Xbox Series X and S and PC. So, Ryan, any of those uh, piquing your interest there? Are you going to jump into any uh, any of those Game Pass games? So I know there's one, you know, glaringly obvious one that a lot of people here are going to say, but I, I, I'm going to, you know, leave this for Ethan because he's already, you know, signaling it. And I'll, <laughs> I'll take this time to tell you guys why you should maybe play Final Fantasy 13, you know, Lightning Returns Final Fantasy 13, because that game's great. You play as Lightning, you you have one character. It's a turn-based RPG. Um, you're basically exploring this, this like, post-apocalyptic world that's messed up with this weird, you know, time dilation thing that's going on. Um, and she's basically out there to see the world. But what I like about it is um, the combat itself is really fast paced um, and really interesting. And uh, it, it's all about kind of lightning kind of changing different costumes to give her different classes. And then that affects the way that the abilities that she has in combat. And um, it, it was just a really fun game that I, I enjoyed a lot. Plus it has Xbox one X enhancements. So it actually runs at an improved resolution. It looks real good on Series X, especially because um, back in the 360 days, the uh, all the, the cinematics for the games were very compressed, but they ended up actually fixing that in the One X enhanced version. So they actually run at you know a resolution that's not you know 480p, and uh, it looks it looks pretty good on current consoles and it plays really well. So that's a game I would say to check out from this list, especially if you like role playing games and. You, You've never played it. Although, obviously, you'll be totally lost with the story if you don't play the other <laughs> 13 games. Um, but uh, as as Tom alluded to, they're all great. And you should play them anyways. So just saying. Is, 
are are the other two Final Fantasy 13s on Game Pass? Or yeah. yeah. Okay, they are. All right. Wasn't wasn't sure. Uh Tom, what uh what are these uh, out of these interest you? Uh Lightning Returns and Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh so Guardians obviously like he, Ryan was saying it's going to be the obvious pick for like most people this mm-hmm. month. And the game was reviewed greatly and unfortunately didn't sell really well because no one trusted square after yeah. what they pulled from with their last games which is pretty like we we, we talked about last week mm-hmm. uh, i'm excited though I, i'm glad it's coming to game pass uh i'm really excited to try it out i know the characters are per- supposed to be like really great compared like compared to like what they show like in the marvel cinematic universe it's supposed to be like really top tier um the interactions between them and the gameplay is supposed to be pretty good itself so I can't wait to try that one out. Also, Shredders. That's another one I'm really interested mm-hmm. in. Um, the environments look really nice. And this one, I was not I was really surprised by it and took it away. Um, I do... I Growing up, I used to love snowboarding games, by the way. Like, I used to love Amped, um, SSX Tricky. Yeah. So I, I really love that kind of stuff. So I'm excited to jump back oh, into yeah. this one. And hopefully they can do better than what Ubisoft pulled off a couple years ago with theirs. Well, with Shredders in particular, it's basically they've already said it's a, it's their kind of spiritual successor to mm-hmm. Ant, which gets me Ant for the game because I loved Ant, <laughs> as I kind of alluded to uh, when talking about my first Xbox, because mm-hmm. that was one of my very first Xbox games was Ant, and I played that game to death and loved it. So I'm excited to see more from Shredders as well. That's that's definitely one that's on my radar now, and I totally forgot that that one was coming because that came so late after we recorded our show yesterday. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad yeah. to see it there. Uh, Ethan, I'm going to let you get your Guardians plug out of the way. This game, Guardians of the Galaxy, was one of the greatest games released last year, in my opinion. It was so incredible. Square Enix did a complete 180 on its Marvel Marvel IPs. Um, the characters in this game, multiple characters in this game, I enjoyed more than the characters in the MCU, which says a lot because Guardians is probably my favorite series in the MCU. Um, and I just think it's an incredible video game. The soundtrack is absolutely amazing. The way they use licensed music just gets you hyped up throughout every fight. If you have not played Guardians of the Galaxy, I highly recommend it. It's not that crazy long of a game to commit to. I'd say it's about maybe 40 hours to get through everything if you really want to get down and dirty and explore and everything like that, like I do. Uh, but definitely pick this game up, especially since it's on Game Pass absolutely one of the greatest games released last year it it got snubbed at the game awards in my opinion i think it should have been nominated for one of the games of the year uh that's just my opinion but i absolutely understand um the the hesitance of people to buy it because of Mm -hmm. what square enix did with marvel's avengers and i and i gotta come out clean with y'all i bought the 200 plus um earth's mightiest heroes edition of marvel's avengers and you can see right up there i have my captain america statue from that i don't regret any decision i make (laughs) but that one's pretty close to regret uh but uh i took a chance again and bought one of the i think it's the cosmic deluxe edition of guardians of the galaxy and it did not disappoint since it's on game pass you have no excuses anymore go play this game it's so fun Mm. uh well I, I remember being criticized for not picking up Guardians when it was on sale for $25 on Black Friday. And I was like, it can go, it can go lower, guys. I, I fully believe. And now it's on Game Pass. So I don't have to spend anything. So 
my my strategy is working out um i definitely was put off um from my time with avengers which i waited until it came to game pass and then i played it and i was like this this ain't it this ain't what i'm looking for from a from a marvel game so Right. I'm definitely going to jump into that next week, um, probably right after we do our podcast next Thursday. So uh, I'll so be playing excited. that. <laughs> I do want to highlight uh, Kentucky Route Zero is apparently a really good indie game. If you want, I, I haven't played it. I've heard great things. So that one's on my radar. Uh, Young Souls is a co-op. Uh, I think it might be only local co-op, though. Um, but it's a side-scrolling beat-em-up RPG that looks really promising. And then Shredders, we, we talked about it. I think this game looks absolutely gorgeous. I'm not like super big into um, those types of, you know, extreme sports simulator type games um, like Riders Republic. Did that? I don't know how well that game did. I don't I didn't hear anyone talk about it when it came out. I haven't heard anyone talk about it since then. But I, I think this one will probably be a lot better just from the, the surrounding hype and everything that I've seen of it, it looks a lot more. Uh, up my alley so i'll probably jump into that one when i can get some time because um after the 10th games kind of kind of pick up especially towards the end of the month when i'll be jumping into kirby and ghostwire tokyo so yeah yeah but good month i think it's a really good month i think it's stronger than last month for sure i i I didn't i don't know if i played any of the games that came last month the game best well, they all knew that we were going to be playing Elden Ring anyway, so they didn't want to yeah. play too much stuff. Even though there were a lot of games in February, but mm-hmm. I, I will agree. In fact, actually, uh, Sean and I talked about this on the Xbox Drive, but I think the games that left Game Pass ended up being a better list than the games that came to Game Pass. Yes. There were a lot of good games that left last month. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I definitely want to throw that there, including, and, and then we have another one added to the list. I don't know if you're going to go over them, Kevin, the games that no. are leaving, but near Automata, for example, yep. is leaving in, on the 15th. And that's a game that like, if people haven't played it or haven't picked it up yet, like now is the time to grab that game. Cause it's awesome. And it's going to be on sale. Cause of course it's on game pass. And, uh, and yeah, like we lost a lot of, uh, stuff last month in particular that, uh, a lot of the bigger, big heavy hitters, as well so it's disappointing that one's leaving too like yeah where am i supposed to go when i want to climb a long ladder a really long ladder (laughs) i mean you got to pull out your copy of metal gear solid 2 subsistence and pop it in and then climb that really big ladder on that game i guess but there's no pretty anime girl ah i mean but there's raiden he's close enough Uh, yeah there's raiden (laughs) he's a pretty Uh, anime boy yeah um but uh but yeah so I don't know where I was going with that, but yeah, so that, that's when, but yeah, Square Enix stuff like tends to only be there for a year is what yeah. I was going to say. Um, and, and then they kind of leave the service. Um, so that's why near is kind of left now, just like a year from now, we'll probably be talking about how guardians is leaving game pass. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see if outriders leaves next month. Cause that launched today and date onto the yeah. service. So I'll, I, I wonder if that'll leave after the year. Uh, and then Octopath Traveler that year will be coming up. But yeah, we lost uh, we lost a lot of good games recently. And uh, the Medium, I know it's not everyone's cup of tea. I personally love that game. Uh, that one that one recently left. So um, it does show you know if you don't play them, they give you plenty of time. But if you don't play them, they will go away. So keep that in mind uh, and check out Guardians and all the other games coming. But that's all we got for for news this week, guys. Uh, like I said pretty slow news week but we do have a fun topic as we like to end most shows by doing something fun um and we're gonna have a little discussion here about metacritic scores uh and do review scores matter i uh i'm bringing this up not 
not because of Monarch, despite what Tom said. I was just going to say it's because of Monarch. No, it's it's not because of Monarch, <laughs> as, as you alluded to in our Discord. This this was actually, a, I, I saw a lot of discourse going around. Um, you know, every time, a, I feel like every time a big game comes out, you see people screenshotting Metacritic and sending it to people as some sort of insult. Like, oh, your game only got an 88. Like, it's it's ridiculous. I think it's completely silly. So it got me thinking, like, why do we care? Why does it really matter? Like, does that number hold some sort of overall significance outside of fantasy draft? Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna open up the floor. Uh, I'll go to, I'll go to Ryan first. What do you What do you think? Do we do we put too much weight on these numbers? Do they really even matter in the long run? So I think a lot of it just comes down to the idea that not everyone wants to go and read reviews anymore uh, and, and more focuses on, on the number when in fact, that's not really the thing that they should be focusing on. Um, they should like most people should be focusing on, you know, the text of the review, if it's a written review or, you know, what the, the, the video reviewer is saying. Um, I think that that's more what matters because as someone who's done a ton of reviews over the years, I've done uh, things on both sides of the scale where I've done uh, worked on, on sites where we did reviews with, scores and i've worked on sites where we don't do scores or likewise when we do a review discussion now for yumi capri we don't tie scores to anything because for the most part you usually just get our opinion on what what whether or not we liked it from us talking about it essentially um so i think i think more than anything review scores do matter but not necessarily to to gamers as much. I think they definitely matter more to developers in a lot of ways because um, we've heard about how a lot of bonuses or a lot of um, you know jobs are on the line because of you know review scales and games are expected to hurt, hit a specific number, a quantifiable number, and that that review score number basically gives a metric to game companies to be able to to measure whether or not their game you know met their expectations critically wise anyways mm. um but at the same time obviously i think that if review scores disappeared tomorrow and every site in the world basically decided to abandon them would would we be you know worse for wear from that absolutely not like i think that uh people would find out more uh, about it, it would co basically cause people to like read more into games they're interested in or uh basically evaluate the the review content more i think if if there were no review review scores but the main reason why a lot of sites do them is simply so that you know if if someone only has like two minutes and want and is curious whether or not this game is good like if they're in the line in a line at best buy and they want to know whether or not they should actually check out a copy of let's say monarch yeah. as an example they have like a, a clear you know thing they can look at right away to tell them yes or no kind of thing um and i think that's why they continue to exist, but do they matter or, or do they need to exist? I don't necessarily think they need to exist. Um, mm -hmm. But, but that's why like each, each outlet kind of needs to, you know, determine what, what they do differently or what's important to their audience. Cause with our audience at Yumi Capri, we've noticed that people are, are actually more engaged because we don't do review scores because um, there, we have people that are, you know, asking us questions about specific things Whereas I noticed when I would work at outlets where we did do review scores, a lot of times people would just look at the review score and we wouldn't have that in the same type of engagement as we have now. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think that each outlet kind of has to, you know, determine what, what's best for their audience and, and go from there. But I'll, I'll pass it to some of the other folks and hear what they have to say. Yeah. Ethan, you want to, you want to hop in here? Yeah. Um, uh, this topic, um, 
actually is pretty relevant to some uh, a conversation I had on Twitter. Um, when Elden Ring came out and all the reviews were coming out, uh, one of the reviewers that I really enjoyed, Tamur Hussein, over on GameSpot, he reviewed Elden Ring and he said that the the review window for it was absolutely ridiculous for how big of a game this was. And so GameSpot didn't assign a score to it immediately because he said that he didn't have enough time to to properly review it. They, they got uh, a, I think they had about a week for Elden Ring. Yeah. Because, yeah. And it's insane. Yeah. That's not enough time to review a game like Elden Ring, especially when you have difficult bosses like that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And um, so he, he came out and he exposed that. He said, hey, these are ridiculous times. And I proposed the question on Twitter is why don't, these big video game company or the video game journalist companies just go together and say, and, and go against these ridiculous review times and say, Hey, we're not going to review your game if you're not giving us enough time. And like Ryan was saying, people were talking to me and saying, Hey, these developers get bonuses based off of these reviews. So it does matter to developers, these reviews. Um, but I think for the video game community, for us, um, there's different sections of our community. There's people like us who watch the game awards who watch e3 who do podcasts who listen to podcasts that are always engrossed in the community uh reviews don't necessarily matter to us uh because we can look through it we can we know what we like and uh we can play games like monarch that may not review well uh but we know that we're going to enjoy them and actually extract enjoyment out of it um but i feel like the large majority of gamers out there people who just casually play video games they look at these review scores and and it matters a lot to them uh, when they're spending $60, $70. And, you know, when you're on a tight budget like me or if, if you're if you're a college student or if you're somebody out there who can't afford to buy every brand new video game out there, you definitely want to get a heads up on am I wasting my money? Uh, so I think at, review scores are absolutely important. Um, and, you know, reviews are subjective. So we can have a debate on that another time on whether or not like they matter that way. Um, but I, I do think to the majority of the gaming community, review scores absolutely matter. And if you look it up, look up a game that you're like, oh, the cover looks interesting and you see a 60 review score. I don't expect somebody to drop 60 bucks on that. Uh, it's just it, it's just not feasible. So they absolutely do matter, I, I in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Tom, do you want to uh, I'm, I'm going to go last, though. So. All right. So yeah, I agree with uh, Ethan's sentiment. Like I, I think they do matter. And honestly, the biggest thing about it is, it's my money. I, I'm wasting money on this. It's just like when I before I go to see any big movie in a movie theater, like I pull up a Rotten Tomato score. Is it, is it a crap movie? What does? But I guess I have a different approach with movies though, because I, I'm more, I lean more towards like the the users versus the actual critics. Mm -hmm. uh, but with video games, obviously, you look at that meta score. You're looking okay. What does everyone actually think? Um, I think it does matter quite a bit. Like these, you're spending $60, $70 on these games and you don't want to spend too much money on something you're not going to like and be disappointed at the end of it. And then it's just going to leave a sour taste in your mouth. So yeah, I think they do matter. But at the same time, there's also like those outlets like uh, Ryan was talking about where they don't necessarily give a score. They explain what you're like, what the game's about, what they liked about the game, without giving it a definitive answer. Besides, maybe like I recommend this game, I don't recommend this game. You know, just a simple yes or no type of thing. And those have, I think those need to be given a little bit more light as well. Just because I, it's hard to give anything a specific score because then you're just breaking down the game into a lot of different chunks, like 
we're going to make sure we put graphics on our score, story writing, gameplay. But I feel like the main thing should be what was the fun factor for your specific game. Did you like the game? That I that you enjoy it? Yes. And I feel like us as gamers, we should probably look at that a little bit more. But I I can see why that would be hard to put down into like an actual figure that's relatively easy where everyone can just look at together and say, okay, we rec- we we like this game. Um, I guess Open Critic does do it with their like you know the users the, the critics recommend versus mm-hmm. the actual scores. But I feel like people still gravitate more okay on the score side of it versus the actual recommendation side of things, and. Yeah, I they do they definitely do matter. But I think I don't really lean too much on meta scores or open critic scores. Personally, I have my specific set of like reviewers that I specifically watch. For example, like I love Angry Joe. Me and Angry Joe, uh, we have really similar games of like what we like. And if he likes it, I know I'm gonna like it. Cause just that's just the way it's been for like what 10 years now since I've been watching the dude. Um, and I have like it's the same thing with like a lot of other YouTubers. Like, if you and me mesh with each other, and I feel like you and me have the same wavelength with specific kind of games, I'm more willing to take your word for it versus like the actual overall score of things. Mm-hmm. No, I I, I think that is kind of I I don't agree with every point you were making, but the last point for sure I agree with is find reviewers that you can relate to. I think that's where I'm at with it because there are people for every game that I'll check out. Like, um, and it kind of tends to be people that like I almost you know know. Like I checked out a friend of the show Ains from Season Gaming's review on Elden Ring. I listened to Luke Lore talk about mm-hmm. it because like I've interacted with them. I I've talked to them offline on the podcast. Like I know you know their tastes uh, somewhat. We've had chat about games, so I can get a sense of like what their feelings are genuinely, as opposed to like random reviewer number five at IGN. Like I don't know you. I don't know what your tastes are. I don't know how you're actually looking at this game. And it's like for for Monarch, like I said, I listened to Ryan and the RPG Caves review on it. So like I didn't go into the game blind and I feel like they brought up valid criticisms and points. It's like, okay, after listening to this, I know what I'm getting into. And for me, that still sounds like an experience that I'm going to enjoy. But when I go look at Metacritic, it's like if people like JRPGs, and they see this score, they're like, okay, this is this is a bad game, like 66. Like, I, I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm going to avoid that. It was the same thing, like, when the when the medium came out. The medium did not score very well. And for me, I think that is a phenomenal game with a Agreed. phenomenal story. Yeah, I absolutely love it. But if you look at just the reviews of it, you're going to be like, that's not a good game because it didn't review well. So I think just looking at review scores could cause you to miss out on a, a, a good experience. It could also have the opposite effect where you look at review scores and you see something, wow, that must be amazing. I'm going to go pick it out. And I feel like a lot of people probably experienced this with Elden Ring this week where they see that 97 and they're like, I have to experience this once in a generation game, get in there like, oh my God, this is the most frustrating experience of my life. (laughs) I'm just dying over and over. Why did I spend $60 on this? So it works both ways. Like Horizon Forbidden West scored really well. I know from playing the first one, that is not a game for me. So regardless of what that, that game could have came out a hundred, it could have came out a 50. Either way, I knew that it wasn't going to be for me. I, I think you need to 
really like look at yourself, look at your taste and understand, like be an informed consumer and on like, look at gameplay, figure out like, okay, does this have stuff that I think is going to be appealing to me? Read actual reviews. Uh, don't just look at the number, read the context of what is going on, because there's a lot of people that if they had taken the time to read other outlets and listen to what people were saying, like how, you know, Elden Ring isn't more approachable than other Souls games. It's right. it's it's yeah. a really good Souls game, but it isn't more approachable and easier despite what, you know, the scores. Oh, my God, it's a 98. Everyone must love this game. Like, it's <laughs> it's not true. It's just it's unequivocally false. So. For me, I, I'm finding myself putting less and less merit into review scores. Like it's, yeah, it's cool to see like a game you're really excited for get a, like a high score and you're like, okay, sweet. Like you feel validated, but I do think taking the time reading and just being more informed about what you're spending your money on is the more important thing to do as opposed to getting off your Twitter account and being like, yeah. Gran Turismo got an 87, Forza got a 92, <laughs> Forza must be better. Like, let's relax, everyone. Like, they're different types of racing games. They're going to appeal to different people. Yeah, uh, and, and another point real quick that I want to make is I think people need to realize that the reviewers of games usually specialize in those types of games. If you have a reviewer reviewing a 3D platformer, they're usually the ones who review 3D platformers for whatever... Uh, you know, magazine or, or website that they do reviews for. If you have somebody reviewing racing games, they're usually the racing game guy at that, at that company. Uh, so, you know, you look at high ratings, it, like you said, Kevin, you have to know your tastes and games before you jump in. Don't just buy any random game because it has a high score. It, you know, you have to know what you enjoy uh, because the reviewers that are reviewing these games usually specialize in those departments. And, and different, I was listening. It's funny you say that because I was listening to a, a podcast earlier and they were talking about like how the IGN process worked. And basically, mm -hmm. they get a calendar of releases and you put your name next to it if you want to review it. So it is very much like <laughs> if yeah. you think this is a game you'll like, then put your name next to it and you could get the code for that. So, yeah, I mean, I just, I, you know, I'm, I've been talking a lot. So I'm going to, Ryan, you got anything else to, to add in here? Yeah. I, first of all, I think you guys brought up a lot of great points, especially with, again, just, you know, finding reviewers that you trust. And, and to Ethan's point too, with a lot of the reviews, especially like with the Elden Ring reviews in particular, just like every, almost everyone yes. from the stories I heard who reviewed that game, who assigned it a number on Metacritic were people who played Souls mm -hmm. games and that Absolutely. was their jam. Like yeah. they basically, it was just like, because of the short term uh, review cycle for that game, it, it most places were like, oh, we need to find the person who plays all the Souls games as quickly <laughs> yeah. as possible and get them this on on, on the, this game because otherwise they'll never finish in time. Um, and you see that a lot with with other titles as well. Like I have been part of review cycles where it's a sixty hour game and we get the game the day before and the embargo is six hours from the time we got the code. <laughs> so it's just like uh, there are there are some it, it, situations like that, but then there's other situations where um, when I reviewed Monarch, for example, um, from NIS. I had that game for a month before, before oh, wow. we did the review for it. So it's just like, it goes, it goes both ways in, mm -hmm. in, in uh, when you're doing reviews. But yeah, to, to all your guys' points, I think it's just being an informed consumer. Um, because I do review a lot of games and I don't want other reviews to kind of cloud my judgment when, when doing reviews, I actually personally don't read a lot of reviews unless it's for 
a game I know I'm not going to review and I've probably already played already, like Elden Ring, for example. I didn't even read any reviews for the game. I only knew the Metacritic score because uh, Sean Capri was talking yeah. about it in our <laughs> Discord um, with Mr. Badbit, and I just happened to be tagged in the post essentially for it. But otherwise, I, I just stay away from that stuff, and then I read it afterwards. But if I was kind of on the outside looking in, um, even even before I was reviewing games, I was still not really relying on reviews to to make my opinion. Uh, and and I saw some people point this out in the chat a lot of times how i figure out if a game is for me is basically go to to streamers or mm -hmm. watch youtube videos of content creators that i know or trust or who have similar opinions in me and not necessarily listen to their opinion on a game but you know watching the game in action and kind of seeing for myself what kind of game this actually is and i have a pretty good good idea of, as to the type of games i like and don't like um, so it's, it's very well de defined in my head. So when I see a game played out, I usually have a pretty good idea going into it, whether or not I'm probably going to like this game. Um, and, and I think that's just what maybe people need to find a little bit more in themselves. Um, uh, but obviously again, I think review scores are more there for again, developers or mm -hmm. casual, the casual crowd that don't want to do the research or, or the type of person that, you know, goes to buy, you know, Madden and call of duty every year, and then might buy one or two other games. And then they probably look at the list of games that came out this year, sort of by Metacritic score and be like, okay, these are the other two I kind of pick up that way. That's, I think that's a fair point because I mean, we're, obviously we're hardcore into the gaming hobby, but there are people like, if I was like, can you tell me the difference between a Western and JRPG? There are definitely people that are gonna be like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, so I, from that sense, I do get the, the casual gamer. That's like, I, I got $60. I feel like getting a new game. Maybe I'll just look at whatever the newest get, but you know, there, I bet there are some people that get Elden Ring and are yeah. not going to be, I know be one or two friends that are casual that fell into that trap already. And I'm like, uh, are you sure you, you might want to, you know, return it before you open it and look at what this game <laughs> is first. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, any, anybody got anything other comments on, on this topic? Uh, I think it was a, a good discussion yeah. about reviews. Um, but overall, you know, overall, I think we can sum it up as find people that you trust, that know your tastes, um, and and just be informed. Be informed. We don't want you wasting your money. Games are expensive. Uh, they're getting more expensive depending on what platform you play yeah. on and, and where you are, especially up in Canada. You guys are getting uh, strung out. You see this, but actually when you do the conversion of the price, it's actually exactly the same. Really? Like it, it, yeah. When a game costs $80 Canadian here, that's that's the equivalent of. 60 us dollars oh, the only the only thing good. we're getting you know strung out on is tax because we pay here in ontario we right. pay 18 percent tax on every purchase 18 percent disgusting oh my gosh leave wow so yeah um that's and that's kind of where where that falls into where you know an 80 dollar game pretty much is close to a hundred dollars so that's um, but it's uh, we're not nearly as bad as something like australia or yeah like 120 that. down there or something <laughs> yeah for that. us it's like don't we only run into problems if we have to import stuff mm -hmm, um, or right. ever once in a while um certain companies will try and you know go outside the equation and then make it like five or ten dollars in the actual conversion is and sean brings up a good point again that what i just referred to as that's just ontario yeah. alberta is like five percent on every purchase yeah, so like, i'm like that's reasonable i'm like eight yeah. percent here i'm like that's yeah. 16 or yeah. 18 sounds disgusting i mean uh, I, say, I, think I would go york, to the city over <laughs> yeah new york i think is seven i think new york city is higher a little higher though um yeah from where we are 
Well, and the way the Canadian tax laws actually used to work with digital purchases for the longest time is we actually didn't have, at least in Ontario anyways, we didn't have any taxes on any digital purchases, especially from the PlayStation Store or Netflix. So you could buy a game from the PlayStation Store digitally and it would be 18% cheaper than buying a physical copy of it because you you wouldn't be charged the tax essentially. Which would be, which was always super interesting. They recognized you weren't buying anything but a line of code. It's not a real thing. Yeah. <laughs> Physical copies are where it's at. <laughs> I think, I think some states uh, still have the no tax on on digital. Um, but can you? Uh, this is completely off topic, and we'll we'll uh, we'll wrap it up. I just have a, a question, but. Can you like change your like your PSN? Can you just make an American PSN and pay pay like American price or like you have to have a United States billing address? That uh, sounds really illegal, Kevin. I, yeah. <laughs> Listen, I just wondering I, if I you used could to do that, Kevin. By the way, I, the I had Mounties my, are going to be I had at my address change to Las Vegas because in <laughs> Vegas they don't pay sales tax uh, for the longest time. Uh, then I changed it because my library grew like really big and I didn't want to get banned. Yeah, I would I would hate to lose all my games that I bought. It's fair. <laughs> yeah, no, fair. Uh, to be fair, I you can do that and purchase gift cards and then put it on that account and mm. do it that way. And and that's there's nothing wrong with that. But again, you have to have a registered billing address that is actually legal. But um, but I mean as someone who buys a lot of games from the you know, the Japanese eShop, because mm-hmm. I'm yeah. one of those people. Um <laughs> yeah, I do that all the time where I'll buy like a you know a Japanese eShop card and then buy games there. Not because it's cheaper, because just a lot of those games just don't come out here. And I understand yeah. a little Japanese. So my brother, my brother's been learning Japanese for two years now. So he, uh, he definitely does the same. He, he, I think he has a PlayStation Japanese one for those Japanese games oh, that nice. don't come to the West. So I feel you there, but uh, guys, that's, uh, that's all we got for the show. Thank you everyone for watching. We appreciate you. Remember if you like the show, please like share, subscribe. Uh, we're on the roll road to 1000 subscribers. So we appreciate you all for hanging out. Um, audio podcast. If you want to head over there, rate us, review us. We'll read it live on the show. So, Tom, where can they find you? Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at Alpaca Tom. Ethan, getting a little sleepy, but where can they find you? A little bit. You can find me on Twitter at WhiteCDR1 and Gravy3448 on Xbox. Let's play some games. Ryan, thank you once again so much for coming on the show. I uh, hope you had a good time. Uh, you're welcome back here anytime. Uh, but where can people find you and all the lovely content you make? Absolutely. Again, thanks again to you guys for, for having me on the show. This was a lot of fun. You can find me on Twitter at Ryan Turford. If you're watching the video, you can see it right below there. Um, T-U-R-F-O-R-D because everyone always asks. Um, you'd also find us on Twitter at Yumi Capriz with an S because it's plural because Yumi Capri was taken. Um, also, we're on YouTube, youtube.com slash Yumi Capri. And also all the podcast services around the globe and pretty much anywhere you find podcasts. We got the PlayStation Drive, the Xbox Drive, the Nintendo Drive, the RPG Cave, we the GamerCast. We have a lot of shows, man. <laughs> so you can check us out over there and uh, and we have a good time. Also, we're on Patreon as well, patreon.com slash Yumi Capri if you want early access to our content and whatnot absolutely uh ryan's links are in the description if you want to if, if you're having a hard time finding them so go check out all this amazing stuff they got going on over there uh, along with our friend sean capri and everyone else over there but uh until next time guys we'll see you oh wait i gotta do my plugs <laughs> at the muffin mon uh that's a one and seven i and an o instead of an a you can also follow us at project x talk on twitter uh stay up to date with all our content but 
Uh, sorry, King Arthur. Of course, I ended yeah, sorry, the, the show, oh, man. But you, the bot, the bot will be up. You can, you can just rewind. It was a good it, show. Right? It was a good we show. appreciate you. We know you're one of the regulars that always shows up. And we love that you watch the content. So, uh, thanks for checking us out. But we'll catch you guys next Thursday, 5 p.m. Eastern time. And we got a big special guest coming next week. Yeah. So, stay tuned for that. But goodbye, guys. Bye. Peace.